Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nola Row Experience podcast. I am here with Mr. Mele, and we're going to have a super dope conversation today with my girl, Shan, who's going to be joining us pretty soon. In the meantime, what's going on with you, Mele? Uh, chilling, just working, tired. I was, I was working all day yesterday. I was on a movie sh- set editing audio i mean uh recording audio so that was cool wow yeah yeah because usually you're like chilling like a villain you know how i'm feeling you can definitely hear the difference today <laughs> yeah little, i'm definitely chilling all right <laughs> for once all the way all the way to zzz all right it's all good um yeah we here we're doing uh black girl talk today black girl black girl oh why am i here then uh you're not supposed to (laughs) i'm not supposed to be in this episode (laughs) i didn't get the memo stick around did i get the memo (laughs) stick around and um jump in you know um just listen to the perspectives and throw your questions in there see what sparks in your mind and enjoy will do will do am i able to t- chime in if i hear some non foolery some foolery why would you only want to chime in for foolery because i'm here for the foolery baby oh okay Cause I, yeah, I know y'all. Once y'all girls get together, y'all start, you know, getting all chatty, and oh, guys, and the man, and the man, oh yeah, girl, he did that. Is there I'm, a reason why you didn't have that concern for black guy code? I'm just being petty. Oh, yeah, you're just tired. You get a pass. I'm just, yeah, I'm just tired and being petty you get a today. Pass. So we're just waiting on Shan to jump in. And what do you uh, hope to achieve with this conversation today? Um, I like celebrating conversations, period. Um, but it's even more uh, exciting when it's um, other women. I think there's a myth that women are catty and women just like to fight with each other and get petty and stuff like that. I don't have anything like that. Um, going on in my friendships and um, I also feel like it's you know it it goes across um, genders you know what I mean it's not just like a woman and woman thing man or man thing or whatever we all have issues with each other um, and I just want to take a moment to not to kind of quell that you know what I mean kind of squash that myth Mm-hmm. because it's a complete myth you know women are not uh in general very catty mm-hmm. so um not only do i want to kill that but um of course i want to you know shine light on dope people in the community and shan is definitely one of them she was a um makeup artist at one point she does hair um she cooks just 
like a, a jackie of all trades uh type of person so i'm super excited to have a conversation with her um and just pick her brain about some of her interactions with other women and um see what we get from that and out of all of the dope women you know why'd you pick this young lady today um because shan is super fun um we met we met at an event that a mutual friend was having shout out to felicia of um laces inc she produces a bunch of super dope events throughout the year and the event I think Shan and I met at, I might be wrong. I think it's a photo shoot. Um, March is Women's Month, and I think there was a Women's Month photo shoot. No, I'm lying. We met on a panel. We met on a um, Battle of the Sexes panel. And I just thought her perspectives were super dope. I thought she was super cool. And then we kept seeing each other around, and um, here we are. So I think she's going to be a fun guest. And I, I, I'm curious to hear her responses. I'm definitely going to pick her brain. I can tell you a little bit of um, my experiences with women. I think this is a common thing that a lot of women have where we, um, and I think this is where some of the myths start. And I'm going to get a i'm going to delve a little bit um into my issues um in the world of interacting with other women so i've definitely in my 20s i've had dozens upon dozens upon dozens of situations where i just felt like oh when i walk into a room uh women don't like me and I have definitely been one of those women to say, or girls to say, um, you know, I, I, I get along with men better. I don't get along with women. I had a phase where I went through that. And uh, I think growing up and maturing and understanding yourself better and coming into a space where you... Um, start taking accountability for for your own energy and your own actions and just the way you affect energy in certain spaces because so that's something that we do you know it's so important to understand how you affect energy in a room yeah um i think a lot of times women don't consider how they behave yeah how they speak their facial expressions. I know my facial, I was born with <laughs> RBF. Um, and if you don't know what that means, look it up. I'm not about to say, I'm up. not about to tell you, <laughs> yeah. but um, I've always had that face and definitely probably a vibe that seemed superior. Um, and when you have a, a vibe that seems superior and then you probably have self-esteem issues, which was definitely my thing in my 20s, that's such a toxic combo. It's such a toxic combination because you definitely fool yourself into thinking it's them, it's not me. Um, I'm just being myself. I'm stepping into this room and y'all want to hate. 
you know, and really, like I said before, growing into a space where I had to take accountability for my role in it, it made me look back like, damn, a lot of women do this. If you hear mm-hmm. ever hear women say, I don't get along with other women, I get along with men only, honey, it's not the other women you don't get along with. You don't get along with yourself. <laughs> you don't get along with yourself. And uh, that's a relationship. A right there. Yeah, it is. It's a relationship that you have to explore and you have to be completely honest about the different things that are going on with you. Because sometimes it's not just one thing. You know, it's not that you have an attitude or um, you don't know how to socialize or you have poor communication skills, whatever the case is. Mm. It could be multiple things compounded in one that's really causing you to have static with people. And that was definitely my thing. My thing was having a lot of freaking static with a lot of different women. And I will tell you today, it wasn't those women. I mean, um, if I'm going to be completely honest, you know, I've definitely encountered a lot of shitty people. But I'm the only person who can control what I get out of these relationships and I did get a lot of static and I know that I came with the static because um, believe it or not, I am socially awkward. It sounds weird. I am, but it's in my head. Um, Hmm. Explain. mm -hmm. Because socially Um, awkward in your head. mm Kind of like a. The awkwardness is happening in my head, but I know how to maneuver um and not show that and sometimes you might have people in a room with an attitude let's say women because we're talking about women right um you might have women in a room with an attitude or maybe i should just talk about myself so me coming from guyana at 10 years old i think one of the first experiences that i had was just so profound um when I first went to school, uh, there was this guy named Aaron. Uh, um, <laughs> Never trust a dude named Aaron. Really? You should have you know, told me back then. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in the lunchroom and Aaron approached me pretty much. I guess it was flirting, but it was super inappropriate and it, it was just rude. Just the way he came across, it was just too much. You're 10 years old, 11 I'm, years old. I'm 10. Whoa. Okay. And yeah, and my reaction to that was to stab him. <sighs> True story. But I stabbed him with a plastic spork. Is that what it's called? A spork? Wow, yeah, a spoon and a fork. I stabbed wow. him with that in the nuts. How did? I mean, he had jeans on, but I guess in my head, I thought something was going to happen. But how is your aim that good? Because I'm si- I was sitting at a table and he came and stood next to me mm. and his genitals were kind of like eye level. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just... yeah. Yeah. I stabbed him and this is coming again. And, and I'm, I'm pretty much Whoa. kind of, um defending uh women with attitudes in a way because Mm -hmm. i was definitely one of them and i understand now i didn't understand then i understand now why i 
behave that way. So I'm coming from another country. I'm in a foreign land. I'm already uncomfortable. Um, I'm already being made fun of because I have this accent, which I love now, by the way. And I try to make sure people way stronger than it is now. It wasn't even an accent. It was the full dialect, you know? Whoa. Yeah. Um, And we, we definitely had communication gaps because I didn't understand some things people were saying. They didn't understand me. It was messy, but I understood, you know, you standing with your genitals at eye level while I'm sitting down. Um, you don't want to hear. Right. And again, this is, you know, three years before that back in Guyana, I was molested. So I was already triggered. I already had that, um, trigger happening so as soon as he did that it's like okay you're getting stabbed because now you're disrespecting me so my my first act of aggression in america was <laughs> stabbing some kid in the nuts with a sport but um maybe we can't really consider it stabbing because he had jeans on that doesn't change <laughs> that is not what changes it. well what i should say is he wasn't stabbed I stabbed him, but he wasn't stabbed because it was jeans. Like the thing, the spork just so, went in, went to his pants and nothing happened. So what? That's still the stab. The stab comes from the action of you doing this. Right. But he wasn't stabbed. So was, um, what I mean is his wasn't, skin wasn't punctured. That's oh, what I should say. Punctured. He, he wasn't yes. injured. He wasn't hurt. But I think the gesture was enough. He was hurt. Um, you clipped them nuts, no matter how. <laughs> well, it, you know, that got escalated to the principal's office, and I ended up getting a pass. Okay. Um, yeah, I ended up getting a pass, and uh, I think the principal was already familiar with people kind of picking on me because I was new. And it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something crazy. Up until this moment... I didn't even think about the whole getting picked on part. You know how people always say, I was picked on in school. I didn't even remember that shit happened. (laughs) I forgot all about that. But I'm just giving you a little bit of background to show you how that attitude and that aggression even came to be. So now I'm growing up in Brooklyn, New York. First of all, when I got here, it was winter. I'm coming from a tropical country. You know, we're living in the hood. I did not expect to be in the hood because when I saw America on TV, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't yeah. Brooklyn. It was not Church Avenue and East New uh, Church Avenue and New York Avenue uh-huh. and Flatbush. It wasn't that. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be living uh, right above a bus stop. It was so noisy. It was crazy. I was like, thinking New York. You're like Times Square, big lights, people all over. Exactly. No, it Psych. was Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn. Brooklyn Zoo. Brooklyn Zoo. Yeah. So um <laughs> Zoo. Especially at that time. I'm pretty sure it was Yo, nineteen ninety I think that was, or ninety-three, something like that. But um there were just so many elements and so many circumstances that really contributed to my vibe and just this consistent anger i was just angry all the time and i think slowly but surely um my story is gonna be time released and people are gonna understand um i guess the people i've had static with they're probably probably going to understand well damn that's why she was like that Mm. but uh growing up 
into high school, junior high school, um, early 20s. That was definitely the vibe. Aggressive, spicy, um, feisty attitude, mm -hmm. um, always on edge, ready for whatever, <laughs> whenever. And um, nobody could tell me anything. doesn't matter who it was. If you rubbed me the wrong way or you said something to me that I did not like, I had a great comeback and um, I did not play fair. If you came at me with something really tiny, I'm coming back like a, uh, like a sledgehammer on an ant type of vibe. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely me. Um, and then, of course, I had to walk into rooms with other women at some point, right? And other girls. And the clash is going to happen because I had that vibe. I was carrying that vibe. But I think this thing we do, especially when we're not taught how to be accountable, um, we always blame other people, right? Mm -hmm. We always feel like it's them. It's not me. So that's basically how I was walking around. I was blaming everybody else but myself and pretty much saying, you know, this is me. If you can't accept it, um, you're just tough, tough luck, you know? Where do you think you developed that, that type of attitude from? Do you think that, uh, because like you said, there are a lot, especially black women who have been like labeled as like aggressive or passionate, you know, aggressive or angry. And they have that type of attitude with like, don't fuck with me attitude. Yeah. Where do you think that stems from? Um, in your in your experience, in your opinion, well, definitely uh, circumstances growing up, um, being in the midst of a lot of things that I felt were um, just painful for a little girl, mm. and developing anger and developing anger towards those circumstances, and developing anger towards uh, the people who were supposed to protect me. Mm. Um, and then on top of it, I'm coming from people, I'm coming from women who were also dealing with unprocessed and, uh, mm. unprocessed trauma that weren't resolved. Yep. So those women were feisty too. Those women had attitudes too. You can't really mess with the women in my family like that. <laughs> mm. You can't oh, listen. I seen your mom on the news the other day, so... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, okay, Miss Rowe. Well, you know Rowe. what? You know what? When you say it like that with no context, it's going to make it seem like, what did her mom do? Was she in handcuffs? I know, I know. You know? <laughs> well, go look that up too, man. Yeah, go look Not up the. Um, well, maybe it is what you think, but. Go look up um, the story about the Hills restaurant um, in Brooklyn. But um, yeah, you know, coming from that background and then having those women around. It, mm -hmm. that's what I was learning. Listen, one time I had an issue at a hair salon in Brooklyn on East 95th street near Rutland road, ha got my hair braided. I don't remember what the problem was. There was some type of problem. Um, I don't know if I didn't like my hair or I don't remember, but whoever was nearby for whatever reason, I don't remember if the person was with me or if it was just someone nearby. They went to my house and told my mom. 
Stop, stop, stop. Mm -hmm. We'll pick up the story from there. She says she has a link, but it says the host has another meeting in progress. Are we still on our link? Yeah. Yeah, this is our link. Shit. Oh, man. All right. Um, so just give her this. All right. C continue with the story. Three, two. Hold one. on. Hold on. Okay. You start. You left by saying your mom. Continue from there. Okay. So, as I'm walking out of the hair salon, mm -hmm. I see my mom, my aunt and a third person, I don't remember who, coming towards the salon. And I already knew what that meant. They were coming to the salon lady. And I'm like, I don't remember how I felt about it. I think I might've felt satisfaction like, oh yeah, you're now you're about to see or something, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was, but um, that was the type of vibe. You know, if something happened, you called your people and they pull up because there's also that ego with um within the culture whereas you don't allow people to walk all over you you don't allow mm -hmm. people to act funny towards you mm -hmm. and if they do there's going to be some type of consequence and yeah and you didn't finish this story so what happened when they got to the salon oh well, my mom um, asked me, who did your hair? <laughs> and I told her, yeah, I pointed <laughs> out the lady. Yo, just why, man? That was just so unnecessary. Thinking back on it, all of that drama, people could have gotten hurt. But um, yeah, I did. And there was an exchange of words and I don't remember what the resolution was. I don't even remember the problem. I just remember like a lot of things popping up and me not wanting my mom to know because I already know she's going to exaggerate and overreact. Um, and that's the, that's the vibe that I came from. That's the background. Uh, but you know, my mom is not like, let me not paint my mom. Like she's some type of, road warrior crazy mm -hmm. woman she's super sweet super dope super generous um very well loved in the community loved 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 but mm -hmm. don't get her mad <laughs> what's your mom's sign she's an i, I almost don't want to tell you she's an aries i knew it <laughs> when you said that i was like that sounds like me She's an Aries. She's uh, her birthday is March twenty third, and um, I, I see, it was. I knew it was a fire sign. I didn't think it was gonna be. Why? Yeah, she's a fire Aries sign. Like Leo. My grandmother, yes. who my mother comes from, and my mother is so much like her. My grandmother, ill tempered woman. Um, she. Let me tell you what my grandmother did. In Guyana, the teachers in school were allowed to beat you. Mm -hmm. So I was straight A student, like top of the class all the way through until this one guy, Wayne, showed up and then he started competing with me. I, ugh, That's Wayne. another name. Another name. Um, Aaron and Wayne. Don't trust Wayne's. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. So Wayne came and then all of a sudden my grades were 
um, kind of going down a little bit because he was competing with me. He was like super smart. But anyway, anyway, Wayne, I hope you're well. God bless you. But um, so I always did very well in school. But I had a problem with biting my nails. So Monday morning, every Monday morning, my teacher would say, everybody put the nails, put your nails, put your fingers on the desk. We put our fingers on the desk and she would walk around to make sure it's nice and clean and groomed. And of course, mine were all the way down and probably had a little bit of dirt in it because I used to play, I used to play in the dirt, right? Stop. What is the meeting number or password for this link? Did you send her the link? Because it, it will be included. Did you send her the link or the password? Yeah, I sent her the link that I have in my email for this. It should be all in the thing. Yeah, it should be in there. It should be a link. All in the email. With a password. Right, I got it. All right. Start from the Wayne thing. All right, go. So uh, the teacher would walk around um, every Monday and ask everyone to put their hands on the desk mm. and she would inspect our fingers, our fingernails to make sure they're nice and clean and groomed. Now I ate my fingernails. I I'm a nail biter, right? Like bad nail biter. So she came to me and I guess my nails probably looked dirty to her. She wasn't happy with that. And she took a twig which we called a whip from a tree. Uh -huh. they, yo, they used to send you outside to pick your own whip. Yeah. We so call it a switch. Right. I don't know so where she, that came from. But. She came back and she hit me on my fingers with it. Uh. And this happened for first thing. Nails. For nails. For not keeping them groomed, nice and groomed. Uh. So this was Monday morning early. And after when school was let out, I don't know if that was 2.30 or whatever, I was still tight. Like the whole day, I held on to that tightness. And listen, when I went home, my grandmother said, what happened to you? I said, I don't remember the name of the teacher. I was like, such and such teacher beat me. Yo, the next day, my grandmother was at that school. You know what she did? She snatched that teacher up and slammed that teacher up against the wall and threatened him or her. Oh. And she was a Leo. Fire, baby. She was a Leo, <laughs> and she pretty much did that. And that's the type of woman, that's the bloodline that I came from. You know, my grandmother was like that, ill-tempered. Then it got passed down to my mom. And of course, um, I picked up some of that, but, you know, I think I've definitely got some privileges to be able to be in spaces where um, I could learn more about myself and evolve better and refine myself and mm -hmm. learn how to resolve those things. Because going to therapy and seeing a therapist and all those things really didn't exist for my grandmother. And my mom mm -hmm. also didn't tap into that. So thankfully, I was able to get involved in things to offset 
that mm. line of toxic behavior. Yes. Um, but long story long, <laughs> that's where that aggressive um, attitude came from. And sure. today um, I work very hard. I work very hard to make sure that when I'm in spaces with other women, that that stuff is not, you know, seeping out because it's very mm -hmm. easy to just relapse and fall back into that. Um, yep. And I just, I work very hard at it. It takes work because that's not where I came from. That wasn't always the thing. Yeah. Um, so of course, Shan is here um, Hi. with Hello. us. <laughs> We we were talking about you a little bit, so let me tell you guys really quickly. Um, Shan has been a hidden gem and modern day Wonder Woman to those who know her from over a decade in the beauty industry, wearing hats of makeup artist, uh, stylist, uh, wig slayer, and now uh, an exceptional cook. There really hasn't been anything she has, hasn't been excellent at. Now is a busy mom who rocks in the kitchen. She's claiming her spotlight as she prepares to let you know, to let you into her life with cornbread convos with Shan can cook. I love that where she talks about how food got her through IVF, loss of a child, a close encounter with death and finding peace and love of self. Yo, that's a whole movie. That is a movie. Sometimes it is. It's still going. Yeah. Still going. <laughs> it is still going. It never stops, combos. right? That's no, it's more like name. a series. A series. Awesome. I'm just waiting for the check. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, we welcome, all? welcome. Thank you, guys. It's super dope to have you here. Um, uh, Melee was asking me earlier, you know, why did you choose Shan to bring her on and um, I told him you know I met you at the um, Battle of the Sexes event yeah. um, I thought that your perspectives were super dope and I think that you know we could have a really great conversation and after that event we just you know clicked became friends um, I've seen you at other events yeah. and uh, we've been mostly social on social media but um, the vibe and the love has always been pretty apparent and um i wanted to bring you on also to spotlight the things that you're involved in and girl just have some girl talk you know what i mean i appreciate it i i'm so appreciative because it's very rare that you find people or come in contact with other women where it doesn't feel like it's a competition you know what i mean yeah where your viewpoints where you sit there and you're able to congratulate somebody that looks like you Mm -hmm. You don't nitpick at what they may be doing differently from you or maybe what accolades they have that you don't and you don't mm -hmm. start to tear apart yourself. But mm -hmm. you see somebody who may be in the same path as you or maybe in a completely different path. But it's just good to see a reflection that is similar to yours mm -hmm. to where you're, you, you can reassure yourself that, OK, what I'm doing, somebody sees me or just to let another girl know I see you. Yeah. As I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize that just being able to be seen, not necessarily understood or agreed with because we look for acceptance, just being seen is enough. You know what I mean? That, that, that can spark enough. But we feel at times inadequate or invisible. So I'm, I'm grateful exactly. that you, you saw me enough. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you see how I be in your DM girl stop. Um, but you know, it's so crazy because I don't know why that's so foreign for some people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you see something, I, I thought that, you know, Instagram and social media, when you see things that you like, you say, I like it. Yeah. Now you have to hide what you like or be afraid of what you like mm-hmm. because you don't want others to criticize what you may like. Yeah. Well, that's totally not me. I'm, I'm a groupie for other people's brands. Um, I, I, I'm definitely in her DM telling her like your food look good. You look mad fly and stuff like that because it's the truth. And, um, I, I don't want to be afraid of people thinking, oh, she's sweating me. If there's, listen, if there's a person who feels like an overwhelming or, um, a lot of love means something negative, that's them, honey. Like. If you think a lot of love is a negative thing, then you really have to um, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Before you wreck yourself. It's more so mindset. It's almost like we're trained that when we get a compliment, we we can't believe in the compliment. There has to be something hidden. There has to be an agenda hidden because we're taught that we're always in competition with each other. it's like, why must we compete? Yeah, it is, you know, survival of the fist. Everybody wants to be first. Everybody wants to win or be the winner. But it's like, why must we compete? We have the whole world up against us. Yeah. Just being a woman. Mm-hmm. Why must we go against us too? Then that's the whole entire world against us. Yeah. We and have it- to create some type of support system. Yeah, I think sure. what that ends up doing is we um, we end up kind of isolating ourselves um and forcing ourselves into these little boxes where we're absolutely alone and that becomes very lonely um i can tell you for sure you know you have a lot of these influencers and a lot of these um high notoriety women who are very lonely because they are catty um you can't really build a tribe or garner um a lot of love and and be catty and nasty at the same time and if people are around you it's probably because there's some type of benefit to being um connected to you so um really this conversation is just girl talk you know celebrating um basic real conversations between women without um you know taking it on on the negative side and really showing the world that yes you know it's very crazy what's happening what shan mentioned that happens between women but also killing the myth that it's all of us it's not you yeah know, um we do have dope women out here who actually um rock with each other so I, it, it, it's tough you know um it's almost like I say and I say sometimes, if we know what we're capable of when we destroy each other, right? We know what the destruction looks like. We know how to tear down an empire. Imagine actually uplifting another person and having that person uplift another person. Then we would really see what we're capable of. It's almost like we shortchange ourselves because it's like, okay, if I tell her she's beautiful, what if she gives me attitude? Then here comes the argument. So I'm going to think she's beautiful. I'm not going to tell her she's beautiful. And then there's the other side that maybe she doesn't even know she's beautiful or feels beautiful. And by me telling her she's beautiful, now I, I awaken something in her. So it's almost like we hold back because 
okay, if I give you a compliment, one or two things can happen, but we never really go ahead, dive in to the, what if she's receptive? Just what if she's receptive? I didn't think like, of I'm, that I'm part. I'm guilty of it sometimes because, you know, I know how I am. I, I have control over me. I don't have control over other people. Um, and you find sometimes we can be in the same field. I find, like, I found it amazing that here you are, a vegan cook, right? Um, and I cook, that we were never in competition with each other. It was always like, oh, that's dope. I see you. Yeah. Oh, Shannon, yeah. looks good. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. we can all be doing the same exact thing, but it's the person, it's the character, it's what you bring to what you're actually doing, where people connect and say, okay, I'm going to invest my time. I think time is more important than the monetary. I'm investing my time. You've grasped my attention. Now I'm going to pull my other sisters to pay attention to you too, because you need to be recognized. It's so hard to do that. Like with amongst women, it's yeah. like, why, why do we look for other people? Not always men, but why do we look for acceptance or validation from other men when somebody who might do the same exact thing as you recognizes you? Like I'm always floored when someone who cooks or does anything that I'm into says, oh, I think this is dope. I yeah. like what you're yeah. doing. Because same. I know you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it takes a little bit more for you to say, let me put my ego right here real quick <laughs> and tell somebody I like something. You know? I love it. I love it. And um, I want to celebrate that. So can you name a time when uh, a woman wronged you? Yeah. I'm sure you um, can name 10, but no, no, you'll be surprised. Yeah. Um, I feel like when we, when we say wronged, that means mm -hmm. I had to have some type of expectation, some type of emotion tied. Um, there had to be some malice mm -hmm. behind your decision. Um, and you know, I was complex about like, what, what, what would I say? Like I had three things in my head and the most relevant one, I feel like for the times right now was, um, I had a doctor who wronged me. So, you know, at the age of 24, I didn't think, I wasn't thinking about really marriage. I wasn't thinking about kids. I wasn't thinking about any of that thing. Um, I was in a relationship, a very much so committed one, and it was a beautiful thing. Um, and I was walking into the point where I said, you know what? I want advice from people who look like me, who when I walk into a doctor's office, I feel like she, she or he may understand my struggles just a little bit more, just based on history, based on things that they may have come across. Just because previously physicians, I didn't feel like there was a connect, right? So I had a great doctor, we'll let her um, remain nameless. I thought to what, you know, what was exposed to me, she was wonderful. Talked, I felt like I was walking into an office with an auntie or because I had real girl conversation. You know, this is what you should be doing. This is what you shouldn't be doing. You know, the world tells us we need to do this. It's okay to follow your dreams. Yeah, these biological clocks. These are the things I needed to hear. Um, and I turned up 24, 24, 25 pregnant. Didn't know because it wasn't a thing I was shooting for. And the years of being drilled of, you know, birth control, do this and this order and things like that. So it was a surprise to me. I took a test, it came out positive. 
took another test and came out negative. Took another test and came out positive. So I said, okay, I know I can go to her, make an appointment, get a trusted um, answer. So I'm telling her what's going on. Like I drink coffee. These are my favorite foods. I can't take the smell of coffee. I can't eat food. I can't keep it down. Like something's wrong. And I'm like, you know, my periods are irregular. Things like just woman things. And she was just like, you know, you're overthinking it. I got the, you're overthinking it. So I figure, you know, I'm overthinking it. I'm stressed out. I'm worrying about things I shouldn't be worrying about. And she's telling me focus, career driven. Remember you work a lot, things like that. And I just kept coming back every week till it was coming like every 10 days. I'm sitting in your office. Something is wrong. I'm spotting. This is day 40. Something is wrong. And she's like, no, nothing's wrong. You're a hypochondriac. I said, and then I finally demanded I demanded because I said, you know what? We've gotten to this place where you think you are my auntie. Professionalism is out the door. You think you are my auntie. You're not my auntie. I need you to do what you need to do as a doctor. Took a good test and came on positive. Whoa, wow. So for a month and a half, I'm, you know, coming to you and I've been getting the auntie, the conversations. You're young, don't focus on these things. And here it is, we had an issue. So she told me, you know, don't worry about it. Your hormones are all over the place. It says positive, but we're going to do this test again a week from now. It might be negative. I went home and intuition said something's not right. Take yourself to the emergency room. Something's not right. I walked myself into the emergency room, got a pregnancy test, got an ultrasound. You're pregnant, but you're internally bleeding. Your tubes erupted. You would have died in your sleep today. And it was like, what? I was just like, huh? This is 25. I'm like, huh? First time being pregnant. Help me understand. Like, what do you mean? And the end result was just, okay, now your tubes are removed. You know, Miss Wyatt, unfortunately, you will never have children. You no longer have equipment. We had to remove this, that, and the third. And it was just like, hold on. Huh? And you know, I later found out she lost her obstetrician license. So you're not even licensed to to deal with pregnant women. So there's a reason why you push that narrative, but ran my insurance up. You made a lot of money because I'm the hypochondriac and never got the apology. And I said, you know, part of me couldn't understand why the brown girl who looked like me wow. put me in the situation where bad enough I've been to people who didn't look like me and they pushed the narrative that procreation shouldn't be the top thing on my list. And then I had someone, a brown girl, who also got drilled the same thing too. Procreation should not be on your list. Reproduction should not be on your list. You are supposed to be strong. You are supposed to be successful. You are supposed, family and building family and building bonds and relationships are not your priority. We've done enough of that, of raising children and having children. It's time to just excel and be an independent woman that everybody, and, you know, I found myself saying, how could you do this to someone else? And then I realized you are her girl who that's the narrative that was thrown on you. So it's almost etch-a-sketched into you. Now it's part of your DNA. This is what you push to other brown girls. Wow. To push profession. And so many things came with that. You know, a lot of people ask me, well, why didn't you sue? Why? Because that wouldn't heal her. Regardless of what, 
at mm. that point, it wouldn't heal her and it wouldn't heal me. Monetarily, you can't give me back what was taken away from me. Wow. You know what I mean? And I looked and I said, you know, you, I was confused because I'm like, okay, now, now I'm my last brown girl. There won't be any reproduction after that. And I said, this can either cripple me or it can push me. And I figured out everything I had to figure out to try to not let that cripple me. I, you know, even to this day, I never got an apology for it, from it. Or even uh, I was wrong. Because accountability is a big thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you dig deeper and you say, oh, she's a doctor, she's a gynecologist, she has no children. Then those things, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, okay, you have no children. What happened? So did you forgive her? I had to. I had to because it wasn't her fault. It is a narrative that is pushed on us just by American culture. Just by, you know, where black women are just looked at as just mothers. And it's unfortunate, you know what I mean? And even, you know, I, I sat there and I'm obsessed with being a mother. Like, even to this day, I'm like, okay, I'm a mother. Now I can do everything I want to do. Not realizing that it consumed me. Because you're told you're not a woman unless you have children. If you choose not to have children is one thing. When you can't have them, that's like a whole nother um, ballpark. You know what I mean? It added a little bit to my story, but I, I felt like it almost was a setback a little bit. And what because way? Why do you think it was a setback? I valued myself based on being able to reproduce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look, you look to say, I'm not woman enough if I don't have a child. Mm-hmm. I'm not woman enough if I can't have a child. Then, you know, relationships became awkward. You know, it creates tension because you tell people, okay, there's a chance that we can't have children. Well, we definitely can't have them naturally. And it becomes this, the stigma is attached to you. Like what's wrong with you? What happened? Yeah. You know what I mean? And you find yourself that when you have to explain it, you're back in this black hole. You're back in this state of depression where you feel like you're inadequate. When you're more than enough. So how long ago, how long ago was this? Oh, this was right before white. So this was 2012. 2012. So it's so you you then had a, a gorgeous son after. Oh, I had a son before him too. So yeah, so I, I did the whole IVF. Financially was like, like you know what? Everything I have, everything I got. They told me I can't, and I don't believe in the word can't. Can't is not in my vocabulary. That's why I'm able to do so many things because once someone tells me I can't do it. I'm so driven that even if I just do it one time and succeeded it one time, I need to know, at least know I tried to do it, right? So I went through the whole process from the needles and the medicines, and it was a whole year of a process. And I found myself back in the same, you know, mindset of feeling inadequate based on medical care. Cause again, I was looked at as the young black girl who, you know, she's coming in here pregnant. She's unmarried, not knowing the story, not knowing, you know, me and my son's father have known each other since three years old. We lived across the street from each other. Like you, that whole 
it was just circumstances. Right, that, that stereotype is real. Right, and no, it is real. And then, you know, you look on the paper and you see the girl named Shantiqua. They call me Shantiqua, my name is Shantiqua. They look and say, Shantiqua, oh, I already, I'm gonna assume the person that's coming into the room. I'm gonna assume she's this, 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 and this. When I'm the complete opposite, so, you know, I had a doctor. I was going to Lenox Hill, Upper East Side. That's where my doctor was. That's where I was going to make visits. And, but I lived in Brooklyn. So I lived in Crown Heights at the time. I walked into Kings County. Here I am, six months pregnant, high-risk pregnancy because of what previously happened. And, of course, doing IVF. I just went in there on a hunch. Like, I don't feel too good. Like, something feels awkward. Walked into the hospital. They let me sit there seven hours, untouched. The whole time I'm in full-blown labor. Wow. Full-blown labor. And my labor is just progressing. I'm going through pain. Now, here it is. I don't know what contractions are. I don't know, really, I read what it was like. But because I'm so tough, I'm just like, oh, that, you know. And these are a couple weeks after the feeling first kicks. So I'm just like, oh, maybe he's just upset. Maybe it could be something I ate. And then I'm in full-blown labor. Well, Shan, let me let me throw something right in the middle of the story. I want you to continue exactly where you left off. I'm just going to drop this and then add a little bit of context to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think more and more people are becoming aware of this, but uh, I believe it's like the number is either five or six, but black women are about five or six times more likely to die um, because of pregnancy than other types of women. So I just wanted to throw that out there and um, then let you continue because I think it's important that people start to realize that these doctors, they do judge you and they do Mm -hmm. um, decide to be a a jury as well um, on your life and on your health. So go ahead. So, you know, um, I had moments to call my family, to meet me at the emergency room, you know, because everybody in their mindset, they're like, you know, she's very, I was, I was a hypochondriac. After what I went through previously, I was scared of every move. I was scared of every part. I was scared of everything. So I always found myself in the doctor's office on a weekly basis. Um, so here I am sitting in the emergency room and they're just like, oh, just to let you know, Miss Wire, you're going to have to deliver. And because New York State, requires us not to save children unless they're six day, six months in a day, and you're a few days shy of that, you will have to give birth and we will decide what you want to do with your child, your unborn child afterwards. So I was kind of confused because I said, hold on. So I'm a few days shy of it. You're not going to attempt to save him. So at that moment, here's my mindset. I have to go through full-blown labor. I'm going to have to push my son out. He's going to have to pass away. I'm going to have to watch it. And then we'll figure out what we're going to do with his body. So that at, was, my, was my brain. And I, I, I wasn't allowed to cry. I wasn't allowed. Because at that point, it was just like shock. You're in shock. So I had my aunts who are evangelists, my parents. Everybody just confused at what was happening. And, you know, the emergency room staff called my doctor and my doctor's just like, you're young. I got the, you're young. We can do this again. Mm. And it's like, 
You're, you're young and you're also a brick wall. You have no feelings. Right. Like, yeah. um, this can kill me emotionally, but okay. So, you know, I gave birth um, and it was like a, a, a quiet moment because I, I, he wouldn't come out with the room full of people. And I was just like, I want to be alone. I want to be alone. I have to be alone. And I said, you know, my prayers, my apologies. And it was just like, he released himself. And then I had the doctor walk in and we just had to watch him struggle to breathe and squirm and move. And he finally got to a standstill, like a still of movement. And she, the doctor picked him up and walked out the room and then returned a few minutes later. And at that point he was wrapped up, he was cleaned and I was confused as to why he wasn't weighed and cleaned next to me, opposed to another room. But at that point I was still in shock. So, you know, you're not really thinking those things, but you know, they're going on, but you're not thinking them. And I just remember he didn't open his eyes and I looked, I still counted toes. I still counted fingers. I had my best friend in the room. I had my mother in the room. His dad was in the room. You know, we took pictures and something told me to keep um, the heartbeat, the tracking of the heartbeat, because, you know, I didn't know how this was going to go. I didn't know what was going to be said or whatever the case may be. And I got to sit with him for a couple hours and then he started to go cold. So, I, you know, they, they asked me, well, what do you want to do, Miss Wyatt? And I, my words were, well, what are my options? You know, I do, I want to have a funeral because I feel like he was a person at this point. He had a name, he had a sex. We, you know, he has a room, we have stuff ready. Um, and I got offered him in a shoebox. And that was disturbing to me. It was, we can give him to you in a box. And we can call this a miscarriage and there can be, you know, we don't physically have to go through the paperwork if you would like to make it easier. My other option was we can bury him. I think they call it on Heart Island, but you will never be able to visit him. You just have to trust that he got buried. Or we can, you can arrange, have funeral arrangements. And if you want to cremate, have a funeral, that will be all at your expense. So of course, choice three was mine because I'm like, no, my whole family, I'm the oldest grandchild. This is the first great grandchild. You know, I'm lucky enough to have my great grandmothers. I'm lucky enough to have, you know, all these women still around living and breathing. So I was like, of course not. We're going to do it properly. Like we were preparing and prepping. We will not throw my child in a, um, in a shoebox. Needless to say, they lost his body for nine days. Oh so for God. nine days. Okay. Right, okay. Right, right. So, you know, you sit here and now when I see things that are going on, because, you know, I was told to be quiet. Um, I, I later learned when I filed complaints, they gave me just a death certificate. They wouldn't issue me a birth certificate. And when I got the death certificate at the top of it, whenever you get a death certificate for like a, a spontaneous miscarriage or anything like that, there's two questions. Was there a heartbeat and was there any movement? And the doctor checked no to both. So me, after getting this, after fighting, because the doctor went on vacation, the person who does the death certificates went on vacation. 
I couldn't get a death certificate. So here we are, we paid for everything at the funeral home and there's nobody. For nine days, we're searching for a body. Pathology misplaced my son's body. So for nine days, I'm sitting here like, where's my child? No apologies, it's just a call back tomorrow, we're gonna see what we can do. Call back tomorrow, we're gonna see what we can do. Until on, I gave birth December 10th, December 19th. The funeral home finally called me, like the hospital called. They found your son's body. Would you like to identify him to make sure? How do you ask somebody that? Nine days later, would you like to see your child to make sure that it's actually your child because we misplaced him? Mentally, I just had to trust the universe. You know what I mean? But once I got the death certificate, it didn't sit right with me. And I remember when I got moved from the maternity ward to the regular and the person, you know how registration comes in and they ask you for your insurance? Yeah. They were like, so you have Medicaid, right? And I'm like, no, I have a PPR, I work. Like, huh? The assumption was I was the black girl named Shantiqua who came in pregnant unmarried and probably had Medicaid. Even if I was, what would that have changed? Well, at that point, you're not human anymore. Right. So I had a great nurse who listened and was brought to tears when she understood, like, you went through all of this to get here. You, you paid thousands of dollars for your insurance. At that point, I was spending 2000 a month just on one medication to get to where I was. Okay, working 20 hours out of every day for a whole year, pricking myself, blood work daily for a whole year to get to that point. But, you know, they don't ask the questions leading. They just see you and they assume. So I got the treatment for assumption. And... When I left the hospital that day, I told myself, moving forward, I have to educate myself through every door that I go through and let people know that if they think I don't know, I do know. You know, my fertility clinic was stunned because they were trying to understand, you know, if I was a different religion, if I was a different color, the things they would have done even if I would have walked into the hospital that was located across the street, the treatment I would have got was complete, would have been completely different. And everybody was so much so apologetic. And, you know, when I did try to, you know, bring it forward and say, you know, let some, some type of legality come into the situation because I felt like I was done wrong. And even after giving birth and stuff, I was forced to clean my own bed, put myself in, um, in the bathroom. Nobody helped me to beg for food like it was just like the treatment was crazy wait um what hospital was that king's county and the crazy part is i was born there so i figured i walk into here you have my whole medical history i used to go to a clinic here growing up you know what i mean i was just like if anybody would know body my whole medical records are here are you aware are you aware that people call that hospital killer Killer County? county Oh, okay. Um, but what I did learn is um, that was very stunning to me. 
all city hospitals, all city hospitals, the hospital, when it's a city hospital, when they, when you have issues, when you have complaints, when anything legally, the hospital itself deals with it. The resolution comes from the hospital. So when I was getting mistreated by the nurses and you know, I made complaints, the hospital itself, their, their, um, their offices and their, you know, their advocates, they determine where it goes. So of course, naturally, yeah, they don't push it forward. You know what oh, I mean? They're all on the same team. Yeah. That made me say, you know what, moving forward, when I walk into a hospital of any kind, I have to know that the doctors, the place, the establishment, they are very afraid of malpractice. They understand what malpractice is. They understand what mistreatment is. They, you know, all of these things came into play. And I played the ball game completely different after that. And that's how I ended up with Wyatt. I, I, I sat there, I studied, I educated myself. I was very much so in tune and I found myself with a different doctor. And, you know, later on, I found out my doctor, also a, a woman, because, you know, I said, you know, I want to go through birth, birthing, the whole pregnancy thing with a woman, because a woman would understand a woman's body better than anyone. And I found myself with another hurt woman, eight pregnancies, no children. Girl. So... She, you know, she was still, you know, a Jewish woman, but she was a Jewish woman who was told she was inadequate because she couldn't carry children, eight pregnancies. Mm. So I understood now why I got the, oh, we can do this again. We can try again. You're young. There was no, you know, no, this was supposed to be it. I didn't get that, you know, until I changed and I, I found, I surrounded myself with people who valued life, the importance of it. and. It can be this one time or never again. And they didn't want that on their shoulders. They didn't want it on their heart. They didn't want it on their dime. You know what I mean? Well, I, let me tell you now, I, I did not expect for you to grab my heart like that. No, don't do that. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm telling you that story. I'm a mother and it's... I have a son. And I cannot even imagine walking that. It's tough. Yeah. You, you hear know? about these stories all the time. And um, it's uh, a lot of times you don't get to see the faces. Um, you hear the st statistics and you hear the numbers. And a lot of women, unfortunately, do not survive these situations. Um, but you don't get to hear, see the faces and um, listen to the stories and, and uh, know the names enough. So one, I thank you for sharing this. And also, I just have a question, like, I guess for both of you, just in general, from a man to a woman, you hear a lot, um, you know, you see the, the memes and the quotes all the times, and it says, protect our black queens, uh, kings protect our queens. What does that look like to you? gals what does that look like to you ladies what um what i guess even if you want to be specific what can men do or what should men be doing in order to make you feel protected in this society well first um, of all i, I did not want to be in a situation where i'm crying <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna okay. cry because we're cute so we're cute we're the first time first time on the nola bro experience we got some tears y'all <laughs> 
We got some tears, y'all. Oh, shoot. <laughs> We're here for you. We're here for you, Nola. Take your time. Something um. flew in my eye. It's dust. <laughs> I, I thought I was crying. It was dust. Um, and, and, and I'm just making a joke because um, Shan said earlier, you know, I wasn't allowed to cry. And um, I definitely feel like that's been a thing as well. I have people in my life that I've known my whole life. And if they see me crying, they will be like, what? You cry? Yeah. What the fuck? What do you think? I'm, I'm yeah. a big wall. You know what I mean? Um, and that's another thing. I think regardless of what we go through, we are expected to always be strong. Mm-hmm. It's that slave mentality where, you know, you get raped, you get stripped of your values, your husband and your kids, and you have to always remain unbothered. Mm-hmm. And the second you are bothered and say something, you're complaining. Or your angry black woman. So yes. to mail it to answer your question, um, it's so interesting that you you ask a question that just happens to be my core struggle um, in my entire life, mm. and it's a, a very big part of what I discuss in therapy. That to this day I struggle with security. Mm. Um, if anyone has ever been in an intimate space with me where you get to hear, you know, things I'm struggling with or things that I expect. And I, I absolutely, I don't want to use the word demand. It just sounds so like I'm being condescending to another person, but it's absolutely necessary for me to feel uh, safe and safety to me means presence. One, um, I never, ever in life before the current relationship that I'm in. I am 37 years old and there was never a time in my life, not with a father, not with an uncle, not with anybody else where I ever felt like, okay, this person actually has my back for real. Never. And it didn't even occur to me until I met him. And then I was like, okay, this is a very unusual relationship for me for a lot of reasons. But then it's also the only relationship where I felt safe, like, okay, this person actually has my back for real. And protection to me just means presence. One, be there. And when you are there, you're not you're also taking care of yourself, right? Because I feel like a lot of men don't take care of their mental. They don't take care of their emotional um, parts. And when you do that, you pretty much cause yourself to be a certain type of person who is not healthy. And then you're not healthy in a relationship, whether it's a daughter, father relationship or a spouse or even friendships, um, mother, son, whatever. When you don't take care of yourself, you pretty much force the people around you to have to deal with your shit. And it's not fair if you have a choice. It's not fair if you can um, get help and be a better person for you and for your people. So for me, protection really means presence. And a man who is dedicated to always refining himself so that he's good for his people. I've never had that until 2016. Mm. 
And I, you know, whoever's listening to this who's been there, yeah, it wasn't you and it's not me firing shots. I'm not pointing yeah. fingers or anything like that because mm-hmm. I do understand that um, a lot of people or a lot of men rather, they weren't taught certain things. They weren't handed certain tools. So how could they use those tools and how could, could they do things that they didn't know how to do? And I, I forgive everybody because I understood why uh, that never happened for me. But um, yeah, like I said before, you know, if, if, if I didn't have pride, I would have been proposed to the dude. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Dang, that is powerful. Yeah. That's and sad. Dang. Okay. Miss Wyatt, you. It, it, it's a harsh reality. And, um, I double back to when me and Nola had did, um, we were on the panel for Battle of the Sexes. And I remember I was getting crucified by like all the women because, you know, I seemed as if I was on the side of a male. And I tried my best to reassure women, we want to feel safe. We want to feel secure. We want to, you know, all of these things in a relationship. And all the insecurities and the fears and the things that we find that we can't find or we do find in bits and pieces and things. Imagine how men feel. Imagine being deemed just a provider where you're, you know, you're looked down upon if you have ambitions. You look down upon if you are not, you know, um, desire in a relationship to take care of a woman and take care of a um, a child or produce a child. We, we look down upon black men who are already battered by this world. Um, and then we still have the highest expectation. And I ask, how do we expect them to take care of us and, um, be our knights in shining armor? if we can't even be a shoulder, you know what I mean? We can't be their safe place. It's a give and take. We're never really taught it's a give and take. We're taught you have children, you raise the children, he makes the money, he's the provider, that is it. We're not taught that we can have emotions, we can have feelings, we can have ambitions, we can have goals, we can have failures. Um, You know, we can have uncomfortable conversations or, we don't have to look the way every other relationship looks. We don't have to desire a marriage on paper. You know what I mean? Maybe it's not his responsibility to make me feel safe. Maybe it's mine first where I have to be secure enough with myself that when, and he has to be secure enough with himself that we can exchange security because he has to feel safe too. He can't just want to protect something that won't be giving back anything. And then I double back and say, you know, I always told myself I will not be comfortable with a man until the man that helped create me, all our issues are resolved because I will be seeking something and a resolution to issues that were created with me and my dad. So, you know, if I, if I am afraid of infidelity, I'm afraid of infidelity because I seen it. Where did I see it? The first person a girl falls in love with is her father. Hence, look, hence the joke is on me because my father's name is Keith. My brother's name is Keith. My son's father's name is Keith. Girl. My grandfather's name was Keith. I got comfortable Ooh. with, okay, I hear that name. It's, you know what I mean? You get, you, you, you don't even realize you subconsciously 
fall into these patterns. And I say, you know, I want to feel secure in a situation or a relationship. And even now, I, I, I don't really know what I'm in, right? But I think you're enjoying it. Whatever it is you're in, girl, I think you're enjoying it. So it, it it's different, right? Where it's not a label. Um, the levels of intimacy come from conversation where someone has their own life. I've never dated or found anyone who were selfish, who was okay with being selfish. You know what I mean? Saying that I like you. Companionship would be nice. Marriage would be great. But guess what? Priority number one is not you, it's me. Because that's my mindset. I can't offer anything until I actually have something worth offering and I'm still working on me. So like now I actually feel secure enough it just within conversation and the interaction I got, right? That that's enough. And it, it, it's more than what I've gotten with situations or relationships where there was a physical, there was the I love you's, there was, you know, the things that looked like they were going to lead up to the, the house with the white picket fence and, you know, the sun and the door. I realized that it was okay to worry about our security and safety and feel comfortable. And it was also my job to make sure he felt the same exact way. Where a phone call every day is enough. An interaction is enough. I don't have to lay next to you every single day and roll over to you for you to feel safe and secure. That my presence is there even when my presence physically is absent. That's so, a really beautiful thing. That's a, a- I love it. And I I can tell you that I've definitely seen you post uh, certain things on Instagram where I'm like, yeah. (laughs) No, where I'm like, I don't know if she's in an entanglement or what's going on. But that is just, you know, okay. So I think she's having a good time. It looks like you're having a good time. You know, and everybody asks, so, you know, sexually, and I'm just like, and they look at me strange, like, what you mean? So when they so, ask you sexually for the people who are not able to see you and they're just listening to the audio, you're shaking your head saying, no, it's not happening. No. Yeah. Like, and they're like, well, how? Why not? What's All wrong? Right, so so let me let me um, delve into that area for a second, because um, I've had a moment in my life when I was celibate for a nice chunk of time. Um, five years five years okay well I was 18 months um uh five years wow okay well (laughs) 18 months and um during that 18 months there's nothing in me that um even wanted to be in that realm and when I started when when I made the decision, it was because I had just come out of a really toxic relationship. I was devastated. And when people would approach me, I was like, mm, the only reason why I'm drawn to you is because I need somebody to comfort me right now. And I really don't want to do that. It didn't feel good. And I was super proud that I made that decision. I was like, no, I don't want to do anything because I wouldn't understand why I'm doing it. And then, girl, the day when I realized that I was ready to get back out there, 
(laughs) (laughs) No, you know, um, with me, I was just like, you know, I, I have so much more to offer. I don't want something like that to be the only thing people see that's my value. Yeah. You know what I mean? People tell you, don't buy the car unless you test drive it. Yeah. And and then I've realized that, you know, when marriages, relationships and stuff hit a hurdle where that has to be taken out, only the really strong survive. Yeah. Like what's left? You know, like how about things go backwards a little bit? Mm -hmm. I I need to like you. And people never understand when I say I rather like somebody than love them. Yeah. You can love anything. I can love a stuffed animal. I can love pizza. I love macaroni and cheese particularly, right? Yeah. For me to like it means I have to dissect it. I have to constantly learn it and choose to like it as it evolves and it changes. Yeah. So for me to for me to continuously like a human being as you grow. You know what I mean? I want to say, <laughs> I like this, I don't like this, but I'm choosing to like it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I love you because you're human, but I want to like you, meaning I want to learn you. And yeah. to me, that's so much more important than just, girl, I'm in love. That's just yeah. a feel, like, that's a feeling. It's fleeting. It's definitely fleeting and it doesn't last. And um, being in love doesn't uphold anything. And what I also think is um, you can be in a uh, relationship for a really long time and then start to discover things about a person and you're like how did i not see this all this time because it takes time it takes time you know this world we live in i'm like the we forget how um spiritually strong we are the um the exchanges of energies that take place. We don't really value them because we're taught that everything is supposed to be over-sexualized. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to show the best of you and give the best of you and then let that determine how a man values you and how you value a man. Um, let me see what you have, what you have to offer. And we forget that we're human and that we're actually all connected spiritually. And the universe will make certain connections, even when you don't, they will send out all the smoke signals that it's meant to, and it will grasp your attention exactly when it's supposed to, if you're patient enough and receptive. That was my goal the whole 2020. I said, I want to be receptive to different, even if it's so different, it's scary. Girl, listen, and you're speaking like a true grown woman because um, I think when you do grow into yourself, you understand that whatever list you had, whatever superficial expectations you had, sometimes the gem of a person has nothing to do with what you expect of them. Right. And then you encounter somebody who's giving you something or giving you things that you need. And you're like, okay, I love that you're, you're helping me heal myself. Or I love that because you're here, I can now learn this. Or I love this. But then the list of things that you originally wanted, girl, it's, it's out, the totally out the window. And that comes with maturity. It comes with maturity. And I also feel like another thing that comes with maturity is um, seeing yourself and understanding the role that you play when things are sour yeah tell me about a situation where um 
specifically, well, I wouldn't say a romantic relationship, any relationship with any male where you felt like, okay, because of my mindset at that time, or it might be a week ago, and you know, you, you got enlightened over the weekend, but uh, a time when you felt like, okay, I was the toxic person in this situation, and I now have to take accountability for the way this happened. Um, or, or for the way it know, ended? I would say like one of my first real relationships that lasted for quite some time, it was about nine years. Um, you know, I went from teenage adolescent to early 20s adolescent, still kind of adolescent. But um, I didn't understand, I, I was too afraid to admit that there was hurt and that some pieces were broken. So I, I was called the runner for like a really long time. And even till now, you know, finally at 33 and I'm still, you know, called the runner a little bit, right? Where I say, if things are too good, I'm going to run away a little bit just to create oh. a little bit of chaos. I'm the opposite. Uh, I'm the opposite. And I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I'm beat. I, I have to beat this thing. The moment something is wrong, I'm like, I'm out. Oh, see, the wrong, see, I'm an Aries, right? Rams. Yeah. We oh, love my chaos. goodness. Another one. Yeah. We were just talking yeah. about Aries. Right. So we work great <laughs> in chaos. Some of our best work comes out of the worst situations, right? Because if that ain't my mama. Right. So Absolutely. we live for it. When things are calm, we don't really care. You'll notice Aries typically, we're called the people who are unsatisfied, but we're really not unsatisfied. We just, we don't like boredom. We're the kids of the Zodiac. We like excitement. Yeah. Yes. So I thought that know, was Sagittarius, girl, bye. <laughs> yeah, we're not. <laughs> it's not that we're not satisfied. It's that we're limitless, right? So we're kind of the, the push for everybody. So we tend to gravitate to the people who set limits or who become comfortable. And that's kind of downfall. And a lot of times people don't really see us as relationship people because we're, we're, we're kind of the, I don't need you. That sounds like you, Melee. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're very, we're not needy it's people. In the stars. Right? <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not needy people. We want, pe and I, you know, and, and it's not until now, and as you get older and you get comfortable in your space, you realize it's okay not to need anyone. I don't want anybody mm -hmm. to need me. I want mm -hmm. someone to want me because then you're choosing me. Needing means there's some type of attachment for me to function. Yeah. Oh, I need him because he pays half the bills. Oh, I need, no, I want you here. Whether you pay half the bills or you don't, yeah. I'm choosing you to be here, yeah. right? Yeah. To me, that's more of a validation. So, you know, growing up, I was just so in love, right? So, so, so in love. And even to this day, a lot of people still say, you'll, I always compare everybody to him. And that may be true. And I only say that because um, it was a different, coming from a family that had so much brokenness. Quick backstory, not too long. My grandmother had her first child at 11 years old. 11. She was a baby, right? She didn't know how to be a mother. By the age of 16, she had four children, right? So her adolescence, any, any innocence with, associated with her was ripped apart and she had to become a soldier, right? 
that anger, you know, raising children, the anger of them feeling like they were shortchanged because your mother was labeled as being fast or whatever, you know, not realizing that her innocence was taken from her. Um, that gets poured generationally and then these curses happen. And I subconsciously held those burdens on my shoulders. So when I dated somebody who came from, you know, a family and, you know, there was, you know, a, a married mother and father, they weren't, they didn't necessarily, they didn't have children, but they were a married unit and it was a strong unit. It was something I desired, but I was very much so afraid of because I felt like I wasn't inadequate. I was inadequate. So wherever I, wherever there was the smallest amount of hurt, I felt like it was tit for tat. You do this, I have to do this worse. You do this, I have to do it worse. Like, I always felt like I had to make somebody feel something mm -hmm. because I was struggling with these generational curses and these things that I was, that were exposed to me that I had to make you feel, even if it was a small amount of what I was feeling, I had to make you feel what I felt. And then I found myself ruining situations. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I look back now and I'm like, you know, me and him are still really cool. Um, and me and his family are like this, which is crazy. You're, um, you're, 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 for the people who can't see you. Uh, yeah. You me and his family his are like family. super tight. Yeah. Um, because there's like a mutual respect where you've seen somebody, it was a genuine love. Like when your mother, when I said, I loved your mother, I loved your mother. Like she knew me from 14 years old. You know what I mean? I don't like her. Like, I'm just kidding. Huh? I'm just kidding. Right. No, I like her. I love, like, she was also the first woman that told me it's okay. Like, don't, he might not want you to do certain things, but you're a woman and you're supposed to be smart. So if college mm -hmm. is for you, you go to college. I know you love him, but guess what? You go to school, do everything that you want to do. Don't consider him do what you want to do. And if he's meant to be there, he will be there. So you feel you like the I mean? petty, you feel like the pettiness and the need to get back the hurt. is the what hurt. you the feel hurt. like that's what uh, damaged or how me. you contributed to the damage in the relationship. It consume me because, you know, we, we, as women were taught, we can't do what men do. And, and for me, I learned that that's fine. And it's not that we can't do what they do because we're women. That is not it. You shouldn't do it. The, you shouldn't inflict the same hurt that was inflicted on you because it's stumps your healing process. Yeah. It, ma it makes you bitter. It makes you angry. It puts you in this race. But what are you racing towards? You're not going to be healed. It's, yeah. oh, you push me. I have to push you back. Sometimes you have to let that person be wrong and just let them be wrong. And that's okay. And forgive them and move on. That's like a never ending cycle of just hurting back and forth. Like this boomerang yeah. of pain. Mm. Mm. And a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't understand like why I still hold this guy to such high stat stature because for all that I put him through, He's never said anything negative towards me. He's never not been there. I've never, you know, I've never, and I understood that you were a lesson just as I was a lesson for you. And it's a growing process. I don't have to hate you. You know what I mean? I can't heal if I hate you. I healed so much. I evolved and, you know, grown so much because I wouldn't harbor hate or hurt. And I accept that, you know what? You may have did this, but I definitely did that. Yeah. And that wasn't yeah. okay. Yeah.
At what point you know, did you start, at what point did you start admitting or did you always know or were you I'm always not a good liar? I'm not a good liar, right? I'm I'm all oh, man, I'm not a good liar. It's it's like the worst thing. Like don't ever rob a bank and tell me about it afterwards. Tell me when you're planning to rob the bank because the shock of it all, my face will tell it all. So, okay, well noted. Okay, when I I'm when I rob the next bank, when you rob the bank, don't just tell make Shan. sure I'm in the planning process. Noted. Because then you know I'm like ten toes down. Don't okay. tell me after. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I I learned, and I, I said, you know what? What happens when you tell the truth? People can you give them the decision to either stay on board. Or walk away that's my philosophy all day right like it's so much more um refreshing for me to say you know what i'm gonna live out my truth yeah at least i have that i'm gonna live out my truth if you decide to um stay you know i appreciate your presence still being here but your absence would be necessary too because i need that lesson also yeah being i think we're too obsessed with the oh you know you don't want any attachments to love and you have to not set conditions no you have to set some type of conditions because you treat people how to treat you and you never grow and you never learn if there are if you're surrounding yourself with nothing but enablers who don't call you out on your mess call me out on my mess i don't have to i don't have to like it i don't have to agree with it but I have to respect that you are willing to call me out on it and not hide it. And it's an opportunity for you to really learn, you know, because there's so many things I've learned about myself based on what other people said to me. And I think, you know, people say all the time, it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what they think. It does matter. It, what mm -hmm. matters is how you process it. Yeah. Um, and I've learned so many things about myself based on, you know, things maybe my bestie told me or, you know, another person, my boyfriend or whoever. Um, and to kind of piggyback on that idea, um, I think another thing that happens for women is um, we are labeled inadequate when we can't make a relationship last this whole idea of she can't keep a man yeah. is such uh it it is like people shame each other with that when it's absolutely by nature you're not supposed to first of all you're not supposed to keep people that's one and then yes. finally if, the law of detachment <laughs> if you pay attention to how nature works um you're not meant to necessarily stay forever with every relationship that you go into. It's impossible. It, it literally doesn't make sense when all of these interactions or these encounters are presented to you by the universe as lessons for you to get to wherever you need to go. We're in, ladies, stop. This whole thing about, oh, she's dating somebody new now. She can't keep a man. Maybe she has a lesson to learn. Maybe she needed to show up in that man's life to teach him something. You know, it, and, and who says that, okay, if, if I dated three more people than you, it makes me uh, loose or, you know, you can label me with whatever title you want to label me with because you don't understand the nature of 
how humans are supposed to move. We're not supposed to be attached to people. Um, and before we head out, you, you can just, you know, give us your view on how you feel about when that statement, when people make that. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I, it's so much pressure for us to be fixers. We're not meant to fix everything. I think in that, and you know, that is Girl. what we previously spoke about. And one thing that always bothered me, and as I'm getting older, we ask women to describe ourselves, right? Ask any woman on the street, tell me about yourself. Typically, the first things they say that come out their mouths are attached to other people. I'm a mother. I'm a mother. Right. So I always said, I don't want that. Like, let me tell you about me. Like, even like, I can honestly say 2020, I asked to be called Shantika. I took off everything that was Wyatt's mom. For five years, I was nothing but Wyatt's mom. And you drill in your head, Wyatt's mom, Wyatt's mom. That's, that became my mindset. Every decision I made, I made it as Wyatt's mom. Every sacrifice I made, I made it as Wyatt's mom. So I almost was like, well, what does Shantika want? Mm. Shantika is the person that, you know, initiated this whole thing. How did I forget about her? And I sit there and I say, you know what? I'm Shantika. Hi. Let me tell you what I do. Oh, and yes, I do have a son. Even like, you know, I don't aspire. I aspire to be married. You know, I want to be married. I want to have some type of union. But will it define me? No, because I don't want to sum myself up as, oh, I'm so-and-so's wife. Mm. No. You know, I'm happy he has his accomplishments. You don't see men describe themselves as, oh, I'm so-and-so's husband. Except no. Barack Obama. That's Michelle's husband. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is, Except, but you know, it's because you, we, you, we know behind every, you know, great man, we got a, no, 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 honey, this type of stability, there's somebody, where's your mama, where's your grandmama, where's your auntie, Stuff like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we know that there's a tribe. It takes a tribe and a village to raise like, any human being. And I say, you know, okay, the relationship didn't work. It didn't even have to be me or the person. It it could just possibly just be too much yeah. for what we're willing to give. Or timing. We, we, this right. Is, this, this wasn't the right. time. Yeah. Um, I think timing is everything, right? Because the universe will give you exactly what is meant to be yours at the right mm -hmm. exact time for you to, to create some type of shift, a shift yeah. that you'll recognize. Um, yeah. I'm just so sick of that stigma that we... We're in control of the ending. Yeah. How about the ending necessarily isn't an ending? It can be a beginning of something new. And sometimes, you know? listen, I've had this where you, you might be in a relationship with someone and, and this, is how, this is how the universe works, girl. The universe will throw you into a whole ocean just so you can see one ass fish. Yeah. And you will be in a relationship to learn one thing. Like, so why y'all ain't just send me an email? Why did you make me go through three years just to learn this one thing? You know what I mean? Like yeah. And then that one thing is really what helps you maybe make amazing contributions to a new mm -hmm. person. Mm 
-hmm. you know, so um, these encounters are definitely not um, meant to be held on to and meant to, to last to, to make other people feel like you can hold on to a relationship. And that's why so many of us sit down in relationships that are toxic and unhealthy for us. But this woman here, y'all see why he was asking me earlier. So why did you choose y'all see why? Because we, we just went on a roller coaster. Like I cried. We We laughed. Listen, we went, we went all over. This was, yo, uh, such an emotional experience. And I thank you so much for sharing everything with that. Um, Your personal life, you did not have Mm -hmm. to do that. Not only um, did you make this a a dope episode, but you're also contributing to other women who feel like they, I know there are probably women who look at you and feel like, damn, I want to be Shan, you know, Mm -hmm. do you know what Shan has gone through? Have you? And you know, (laughs) the hardest thing to tell people is you, you see these smiles, but understand that these weren't just handed and it's not easy street, but you have to be committed to creating your, your, your pot of gold and your rainbows every day. I don't wake up. Um, necessarily positive every single day. Some days I wake up defeated and I have to pull myself out. And I'm okay with being transparent enough to say, I am not chasing perfection. That's okay, just, so. it, it, I'm I not, ch- okay. you know, every stretch mark, every, every pound, every pimple, um, every it happens. Mark. <laughs> you, I love it. You know, we, we start to see these dolls we're being forced into being perfection and it's so much perfection and imperfection where we're forgetting to know what real women look like where all the stories are sounding the same because we're taught to be ashamed of the things that we're really going through i'm so happy we're not learning i'm happy you said that um my 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 Last question to you was, um, you know, leave us with some parting words, but I feel like what you just said just pulls everything in and um, it just sums everything up. And I think uh, the message that we can walk away with, uh, you know, I wanted to have a girl talk, but I feel like so many girls have been talking for a long time. So I ended up changing this into black girl talk because it's our turn to have conversations mm-hmm. and um, radiate or make sure those conversations radiate all over the world. So this is black girl talk, um, not excluding anyone else, not yes. um, throwing shade at anyone else. Just I, I, because we are pro black does not mean we are anti anything else. Right. Absolutely. Um, right. And, and I actually encourage, um, you know, people from other groups and other cultures, other races to tune in because I feel like this is an opportunity where you can become educated and education is really yes. what helps you understand what's happening with other people. And then mm-hmm. really shows you that, you know, we're all probably struggling with a lot of similar things and helps you become more sympathetic uh, mm-hmm. to what other people are struggling with. So I, um, um, thanks so much for taking us on that wild ass ride. I appreciate your story. Your story is phenomenal. Um, 
I don't know if you care about this or not, but I think this should this story should be everywhere, and a lot of people should be hearing it because mm-hmm. um, it evokes things uh, in you that you probably didn't even know was there. So um, we appreciate you. We love you, Shan. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Thank you so much. I I, I needed this. I definitely will say I needed this. Awesome. See, there's always an exchange. It's Ooh, it's always uh, it's it's never one sided. Even when people don't um, recognize it, um, I've heard people say this all the time. Um, I do things for people who can't even do anything for me. You know, there's no such thing. There's always an exchange, and if you're doing something for somebody and they accept it and you know uh it's genuine then they just blessed you so something did just happen for you so um you know not only did you come and bless us but i appreciate that you feel blessed as well and it's been another amazing Nolaro experience experience mailing experience um and i'm super excited that i was also your experience so Guys, make sure you come back. These conversations get spicier. They get Mm -hmm. funny. They get silly. They get deep. They get ratchet. They get crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I appreciate you guys for taking the ride with me. So make sure you stay tuned in. Subscribe to the YouTube. Come to Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. We want to connect with everybody everywhere. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Much love. Peace.